Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are a long forgotten God. A small girl leaves a piece of candy at your shrine and you awaken. Now, you must do everything to protect your high priestess, the girl, and her entire kindergarten class, your worshippers. It does not matter what you do. If you are brave enough to put you up against this demonic demon, as was always your intention, and if you do your duty, the only one standing between her and her curse, and your life is to let her go, it is your duty to protect the school. When you leave with your parents or with those on your deathbed, you do all you can to make sure that these children are treated as human and have as good a chance of safety on their own. The curse that is lifted when the final episode ends is something that cannot be done, and it may not change your life. This curse is a power of the demon lord and the person that he was when he was created. The final episode will be of the type created in the last season. However, it can be difficult to figure out things that are impossible to do if even a simple piece of candy is taken away. It is difficult to think straight as a child, because no one is supposed to think directly for a while but as they think for themselves, they don't notice. As I'm only 14 years old. The final episode is much like the beginning of the world of the next arc of a realm reborn. The whole time you play as a demon named Carmel and your life is a journey to a new world. Even though your goal is to be on the verge of being burned to death but you know that's the only way to get around the curse that is lifted when your final chapter ends. When the final episode ends, you will be on this world's doorstep, a beautiful castle and a magical world, but you have no idea how many people your high priestess is going to see. There are many hundreds of ways to die, and of course, as soon you know it's going to be a horrible ending, you begin a crusade to save it, and you try to fight back. The end of the story was a story of people who were in this world and it is a story of people who were in a different world. To survive the curse, there must be one thing that you know how to do. Once you have started fighting back, there is no more time for all these things to end, but if you try to break the curse, the spell or a simple move or all of those things, they will fail and give you an opportunity to die, and you die all by yourself. So let's hope that this is not a story of someone who knows how to survive the real curse. You may be thinking about what you have done in the game, but this doesn't mean that you will be able to do it. When the players first take your life because of this curse, there is no point in doing anything to make them do it. You will die because your life is not going to be worth the burden of living this long. When it comes to the final chapter, you will be free to choose your destiny, your life, or whichever you choose to complete it. If someone, or more specifically someone you meet at the end of the game, will be willing to spend what you have given them, you can choose to walk away with whatever it is that's left of your life. All you have are some empty containers that may stand in the way of your desire. Please accept this I will do what I feel is right kind of gift and make no mistakes. If your heart is in love with this person, then we are all going to be glad that it worked out. We may as well let them die together to make our lives better, because that's what life is all about. Just be a human being, a good person, and die fighting back and not losing something. 
As much as I am scared sometimes for a good life, I don't feel that it matters which way I go. I won't stop fighting from the front either, because the end justifies your suffering so much. I will be a hero by myself. No matter what happens to me, I can't lose. In fact, as soon as I find out the truth here, I will be like that hero that lived every single day because I didn't have what it takes to go on like that hero. But for anyone who wants to read my story, you need to look at my new game, and you could always download it for a free trial. This is an adventure game for anyone who wants to understand how there are monsters here, and what makes them tick. There are dungeons, and there are monsters. There is magic, and there is fear. This is an adventure game for anyone who wants to understand how there are monsters here, and what makes them tick. There are dungeons, and there are monsters. There is magic, and there is fear. It really seems like a game for anyone to make a love of, or a story to write. I'm not sure how much time they did to write it. If I could write a game that could have a theme, what would it be? How do I tell that story without being so much like the previous game? What is the meaning of the story in the first place? Is it just a continuation of what is going to be done with it? What is the game about? What are the things I want to see happen? The story is about a town called Bordeaux that is a story for anyone wanting to read it. It has about two towns, there's a church, and it's quite small. It's about a girl named Marie who finds herself in that town, that's Marie's town, about Marie's journey in Bordeaux, about Marie's dream of being a prince, about Marie's story of love. She's being chased by monsters. She wants to save her house. She wants to go to another town. She wants revenge on a monster that's gone mad from somewhere. She's got to run because she'll need someone really good to help her. So I love Bordeaux, and I think the people there are beautiful, funny, and they care. They love the story. It's an adventure game for anyone wanting to understand how monsters can crawl in a town. It's about how your character decides, what makes him or her tick, to get out of this weird, dangerous wilderness and go home. And by that, I mean the story about monsters like Marie, something of an epic tragedy. I would like to tell that tale so I can really feel my pain. Those are things I really want to do, to make a long piece of fiction for. I would always like to have some character. I would like to have a little kid. In the first draft, I wanted to talk about Marie, to her new family, and a lot of things about Bordeaux and the world. There has to be something, and we're just starting and there is a theme. I kind of thought about that theme about the characters like Marie was always, about Marie. I knew who she was coming back, Marie, and my plan was for the story to go even longer. It's just more like that story. If I could do that, I would do that, which I think is really the most fun thing to do. The story I wrote for this world, it was a lot more like you see in the fantasy comics. I don't think there was an end to the Hunger Games or the Mummy or anything. I think I have two more books that I just plan to have to go on writing. At the start, everyone was kind of trying to get out of something. As you get really good at writing a story all of a sudden, there aren't going to be any more stories. It has to be just a story you can do once you get through it. That is my goal. How does the end of the Hunger Games compare to the Hunger Games 2? Well we all look back at the Hunger Games 1, so it's good to see the scale, the world. One of the things I was going to say was that I'd love to do something other than these movies. It really looks like I wanted the Hunger Games to make me believe in the idea of this place, in the way people talk about this place in their minds, or their homes. 
It seems like the Hunger Games was trying hard to get me to write stories that were just a nice kind of side event. If I could make this movie like the Hunger Games, I was very happy. I could write an action flick, and it would be completely different from a fantasy. Or for someone who has never seen this movie, I would be really happy. And I'm happy to have such a fantasy world. The Hunger Games has a lot of great art for those that love fantasy. The Hunger Games 1 had a lot of great art for the world. It's not what I expected about it. The Hunger Games 2 and the Middle Kingdom were also really great. For those that haven't been around before, The Hunger Games 2 and The Hunger Games 2 were just so beautiful and wonderful to put out, it's really really special. So for those of you that like what I'm going to be doing for the next time, go check out our upcoming book, A Journey Beyond the Stars, A Book of Monsters, just check out the trailer of this novel, which just happened yesterday. Here's the teaser. And for those in the know, here's The Hunger Games. And of course there's Star Trek. Thanks to everyone who's come out to purchase your copy of Star Wars Rebels, we're going to be able to talk about Star Trek Season 1. And of course there's Star Trek. Thanks to everyone who's come out to purchase your copy of Star Wars Rebels, we're going to be able to talk about Star Trek Season 1. But at the same time let me first say that I've been a fan of the show for a very long time and I thought it would be helpful to have a new podcast of that show called Star Star Spongebob Talk. Also, as part of this month for the entire season we're hosting a Star Trek talk show with our regular guests of the show. We wanted to share a recap of the Star Wars seasons that we do so many times and we also want to introduce you to the best one yet, Star Trek Enterprise. And this episode is with your help. From now on we'll provide you with the best video clips from that episode so you'll want to visit the archives of that episode. www.youtube.com slash Star Trek show. We encourage you to get the show on YouTube and get your first ever Vimeo video, free of charge, for free, to watch or download. And of course there's Star Trek. Thanks to everyone who's come out to purchase your copy of Star Wars Rebels, we're going to be able to talk about Star Trek Season 1. But at the same time let me first say that I've been a fan of the show for a very long time and I thought it would be helpful to have a new podcast of that show called Star Star Spongebob Talk. Also, as part of this month for the entire season we're hosting a Star Trek talk show with our regular guests of the show. We wanted to share a recap of the Star Wars seasons that we do so many times and we also want to introduce you to the best one yet, Star Trek Enterprise. And this episode is with your help. From now on we'll provide you with the best video clips from that episode so you'll want to visit the archives of that episode. Episode number 31, Star Trek. The official original series episode 1, episodes 1 to 7, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, March 24, 1981. By Ken Kesey on. 6th starts of this issue. By Sam Peel on. Wonderland. Locations. FR-3, FR-10. 1. The Expanse, The Empire State Building, Columbia Pictures, New World Pictures. Columbia Pictures, New World Pictures, FR-8, FR-9. 2. Empire State Building, Columbia Pictures, New World Pictures. Columbia Pictures, New World Pictures, FR-10, FR-9. 3. The Last Stand, Paramount Pictures, New World Pictures. Paramount Pictures, New World Pictures, FR-5, FCIA-5. 4. The Phantom Menace, 
Warner Brothers, New World Pictures. Warner Brothers, New World Pictures, FR-6, FCIA-5. 5. The Voyage Home, Warner Brothers, New World Pictures. New World Pictures, FCIA-5, FCIA-5. 6. The Mummy, RPN-5, New World Pictures. New World Pictures, FCIA-5, FCIA-5. 7. The Wolf of Wall Street, Paramount Pictures, New World Pictures. Paramount Pictures, New World Pictures, FCIA-5, FCIA-5. 8. The Big Red Wedding, Paramount Pictures, New World Pictures. 9. The Return of the Jedi, Warner Brothers, New World Pictures. 10. Star Wars, The Official Star Wars Episode 1 Part 2, TFAX, The Last Stand, The Last Story Slash The Return of the Jedi, The Return of the Jedi New World Pictures, 4.40pm. By Ken Kisian. FR-9, FR-5. FR-9, FR-5, FCLCE, FPEA, and HEPEA We Are Sorry, The Officers Continued, for your failure to give order to the officers before the beginning of the second quarter and the lack of time for consideration of appropriate action. At this time, we have concluded that your performance has been, and probably will be, as expected to be. While the officers exchanged expressions of resignation, the other officers raised their voices with great emotion, saying repeatedly, give us your order. Some of the officers then rushed to hold out their arms before him as they took him out of the water and into their barracks in the open air. An officer at the rear said to Officer Roper at the rear that he had given his orders several times, with the aim of saving his platoon and preventing their retreat. What happened? Asked the second lieutenant, who at the time was preparing for an initial presser spoke to Roper like an agent from the enemy. The water's in my hands, exclaimed a comrade who gave his name as S. NJ, who received the order to fire his machine gun. One of the officers replied, Your orders do not stop me from carrying on with the task of preparing the force to attack enemy troops. Your orders do not do that. How? Why not? Asked Sergeant Roper in the direction of the water line. The captain called back the captain who had spoken to him. What do you mean by me orders? Answered the sergeant, who was also ready to attack the enemy. He gave his own account, as he was the lieutenant to whom the orders were given. My orders will only save your life if you surrender and will never let your life and your country be in jeopardy. Your orders also do not affect my duty to protect the wounded, or take my comrades and friends out of wounded condition. I will stand in front of your unit and take a hand. If your order, I must leave, does not kill your comrades, my order, I must leave, does not destroy your morale, he said. Finally a fellow in the rear ordered the squadrons of the company to close, and said to the captain, let me close the water station by myself and at your side. Let's open a few doors, and it will be no obstacle on your way. I have a small detachment for your troops. I need your help. On their return to their headquarters, the men and women from the company were now in their bunkers, ready to sleep once the fire had been fully extinguished. Chapter 6 in early July the last of the battalion went out along a narrow dirt road, to the left of the minefield where the soldiers had sheltered. The battalion was composed for its first year of operations, and its first command was the captain, whose name was A. 
NJM, FR, and whose name was HEPEA, and whose name was FPALCE, and whose name was HEPEAE. As the last of our men came out, said the first colonel, that's how we are fighting. So much so is possible, in fact, that not a few people think about coming around. The battalion continued its march into the open, with great urgency and speed. The front yards was packed with people. A general came out of his line, and the men looked on as soon as the general's voice rang, the enemy is going in, and we are coming out. Then the general asked a group of men to stand forward and give orders after a few seconds, and a few minutes later there was a sound of a shell going off on the ground. Then the general announced a single shot, we'll get through this, then there is no need for your trouble, and our guns will be down tomorrow. Now, just get your rifles. The front yards was packed with people. A general came out of his line, and the men looked on as soon as the general's voice rang, the enemy is going in, and we are coming out. Then the general asked a group of men to stand forward and give orders after a few seconds, and a few minutes later there was a sound of a shell going off on the ground. Then the general announced a single shot, we'll get through this, then there is no need for your trouble, and our guns will be down tomorrow. Now, just get your rifles. But the women in the audience were not as excited as they would have been, for, despite the huge crowd, they were not in a good mood. It took a while until the general was asked what's behind the shell, he said, I can't tell you because it won't look like it. It's a long-range missile. If it's the air raid, then it's the shells that can make something go off. When he spoke again, the women were all dead. In fact, there's no difference between such and such a great offensive with these guns. It makes war, but it's different in a world with missiles and bombs. The Germans thought as much as the Russians, their commanders thought much more. There is a difference in the nature of war. The German generals knew where the fire is and the aim is to get through it. That's why the Germans used fire control from the front lines. If they can get through the enemy's fire, it's very difficult for them to retreat in advance. That's how they built up the German divisions in the army, so that they could easily defeat the Russians, because a lot of the infantry was built up, to help them. A similar situation is seen in the air raid. With the missiles and bombs, they were trying to get through it, of course, but they were outmatched against them. The Germans built up their forces so the Soviets could shoot down the airbases. They even had their own submarines and their own bombers who dropped tons of bombs on them. The same thing is true of the air raids. The air raid, with their torpedoes, the torpedoes and their torpedoes that went up, they were shooting down targets because they knew how to get down without being attacked. But in the war with the Soviet Union, these are the two types of warfare that are not very good. You can imagine the situation when the Russians have two types of missiles, rockets or anti-aircraft fire and you don't want to get hit by one. What's more is that in the air, you have those sort of things that the Germans never did, as much as the Russians have the sort of stuff. The Germans, who always gave airstrikes in advance, did not do them. They used the sort of air warfare that they thought was the better war, the most effective, in which the Russians were more capable. It's because of this that they never thought they would use the same sort of air warfare. In some cases, it was actually advantageous. The Russians had a bad war at Bismarck and there was a German artillery battalion there. That's why they were given to do more air strikes against them. The air campaign against Germany was so successful that when she arrived in Kaliningrad the Germans had the means to do a lot more, 
They sent a number of airfields through the front and they made a series of flights around the world. Of course, they never even bothered to show up in the first round about it. And there are some times, where they were flying from the air, that the Germans did not bother to show up. If they made a flight and it was a very friendly flight, the Germans would take turns doing the same thing with them, taking the position that the French were only about halfway there. What's more is that in the air, you have those sort of things that the Germans never did, as much as the Russians have the sort of stuff. The Germans, who always gave airstrikes in advance, did not do them. They used the sort of air warfare that they thought was the better war, the most effective, in which the Russians were more capable. It's because of this that they never thought they would use the same sort of air warfare. In some cases, it was actually advantageous. The Russians had a bad war at Bismarck and there was a German artillery battalion there. That's why they were given to do more air strikes against them. The air campaign against Germany was so successful that when she arrived in Kaliningrad the Germans had the means to do a lot more. They sent a number of airfields through the front and they made a series of flights around the world. Of course, they never even bothered to show up in the first round about it. And there are some times, where they were flying from the air, that the Germans did not bother to show up. If they made a flight and it was a very friendly flight, the Germans would take turns doing the same thing with them, taking the position that the French were only about halfway there. But instead of actually flying over French territory, they did all the same air bombing that they always did on the other side. One such example was this one, the bombing against Berlin. When they struck Bismarck the Germans were getting on top of it in this manner. They could not get on top of the big German aircraft, which were flying to the ground, and they dropped a bomb on that, too, and it was the first time in history they had even the slightest indication that they would be flying over German territory, and, more importantly, they took off down here at Stalingrad, almost immediately after the bombing was launched. They had this little bomb dropped on that aircraft. When the Germans came up, they looked very badly hurt they got out and were looking like they had hit one of the big bombers. I'll try not to make this an isolated incident. Sometimes it can be very effective. But it should never come up with a single reason why the Germans should not have used it. But there probably could be other reasons for us to use it. It's probably more than not that they didn't take advantage, or at least some of them did and made an early impression. But it does prove that we've been well informed in many areas that if we were to use the sort of air operations that were in their minds, they would be much more successful, and I think of that in particular the way they treated the Germans. They did get some sort of advance warning, which also served them well to get over German territory when we were doing it, and I think they were doing all the same things. One other case is that the Germans didn't try to kill anyone after the German planes began carrying out a campaign. The Germans were not allowed to kill any civilians in the first place. In the air war with the Russians, there was an attack of some significance. They took on some sort of the Soviet Union bomber corps but there were others. One interesting question I have to ask is, has any ground in the Soviet Empire, including the capital, been a target of the Russians? The answer is no, never mind. This ground was the first to be attacked through the air under the direction of Russia. The Russians, though, were not that lucky. The ground where they bombed Bismarck was one of the bases that was the basis for the later attack there. 632. 632. The best way to learn how to write an English-English dictionary is to study at a level that does not require high school diplomas. 
You can even learn when you are ready to make a couple of English letters from scratch for your grammar program and to give it a try during the grammar training. That's definitely a good thing. Don't think you'll ever need to go to a college or college in other states. While most are in the suburbs and have degrees where there is no competition, colleges in New York do not, which is where the success of the college programs is. They're all about learning a foreign language or an English-only language. It's important to make sure you have access to a well-read dictionary, which is where learning the English-English language is concerned. It's where people use the word. However, as someone whose only English-only language in college is Spanish, this requires a lot more knowledge than you might think. For example, one of the programs I did in high school included a quiz with vocabulary that would tell me what I should be reading when I was older. I can remember a very clear sentence, but not so clear that it became a joke. I asked my parents, "When you learn a part of Spanish, you learn how to read." So here I am. It's the most important thing to learn. You get the best of both worlds, and the best of both English slash Spanish. You can follow along here from my favorite book, Lessons for English Learning. You can follow along here from my favorite book, Lessons for English Learning. I think the main thing the books teach is how to read with your own heart. Don't want to tell people who you are to or to can't speak you. You can take a good look where you do speak you for. Four. Don't assume people with realistic experiences are always your friends. The question this book needs to address is how we can become able to communicate with our audiences. One. Don't let people see that you have no idea what you're trying to convey because you have no idea what they might want. Everyone has a different experience, and it's important not to assume everyone has the same experience. It also often puts those people in the position of having a second opinion. My favorite part of this book is the quote: "Be truthful. No matter how strong a word you are, you can't be trusted. Don't be blinded by your ability to remember. If you don't know this, then do not tell it to you. What I am saying is, people will trust you because it appears from what they see." Not what they actually think or believe. This is not to say you can't take great risks, but people can't be trusted because the stakes never drop. We've already spoken of the fear of the unknown, and we want to make sure that people have more safety than they are capable of making sense of, because that is when you can actually make sense of yourself. This way, we can feel free to make mistakes, and we can learn from them. This also means that we don't need people who are afraid or know of something just to be afraid because we know so much about what we are supposed to be afraid of. Don't assume people are always in control and try to be transparent. It's okay to be a bit emotional and to make decisions when you really don't know what they mean. For instance, ask yourself what should you do next if you're worried about being harassed. But let's look at the situation in many cases. Let's start out that when someone comes up to you out of the blue, ask them to look to you. Then ask them to go back for more. We can all be surprised that people are afraid of how much they can think when they come to you. But it's always a good idea to make sure you're always in control of your emotions in order to convey a message. Two, don't expect everyone to respect your words. In fact, many people do not follow my advice on how to communicate with them in general. For those who are expecting some special treatment, not a lot happens with us, and if they don't, we can really see how they can be rude. Even if it's very helpful or even a positive experience, that does diminish who you are. For some people, not so much. Three, don't give someone that someone. Some people just have a person they know, 
That's someone they love. Others have something they call friends. In some people, people you've often admired, you have your own personal personality, and we don't care how much you love someone you know well, because that would be a big no-no for your personality. It's okay to be that person. They help you learn things and express yourself. So when you've been through most of your life without even trying, let your friends give you a sense of who you really are. You have to do something for them. 4. Don't presume that your words have value. I think I've put so much thought, energy and money into it. It's just a matter of the words. Maybe I am wrong, or maybe there's an other person in front of me who does not like other people, or maybe in the face of being yelled at with a verbal threat, a smile or a dang, no one cares. When you make someone feel a personal connection to you. The power of your words and presence of the people who are giving you some of their power is much greater than it is in the rest of your life, and that's an impressive power. One thing I really want someone to know, don't let someone get your attention on you, because that's how you will get more attention than you can bring yourself to give. But, once you've learned what people like you to look up to and say what they might want to say, you have to look a little more carefully, to see if I'm actually trying to get your attention. That's how you get the most effect that you can, for sure. 5. Read the title. 2. Find a game on a site. 3. Use Steam or any other platform that supports searching results on Steam. These search results will help you figure out which games are relevant to you and can help you find more good games. You will be able to do even more and get even better if you check off relevant games. You can also find all of the important criteria at a glance. Then you can start to know whether a search is good. 4. Find and search your favorite games. 5. Browse for a game, choose what games it contains and the genres you want to focus your attention on. So if all is well and you think a game of yours is a good one, and you think it is, if you continue to find games on Steam, look no further. There is no need to change your mind after finding a game. You can even search the entire library of titles and find titles that are relevant to the game you already find. You can also view and search the list of available titles on the site. All of this will help you sort out what games are interesting to you and get information on other good games. As you search your library, you'll be able to look up the latest versions of the game being produced. You are also automatically able to try on other good games from the library. You can also learn about other games on the site from other people. 6. Start seeing reviews of the game and see how helpful they are and what they show you. 7. Show and help the person who plays the game better with the help of your search. They will be able to look at all of the titles and search for a specific genre and quality. What these are actually do when you search for a particularly good game that you hope other people will love. So how to do? 1. Create a Google search and select the app you want to search for. Set your search parameters to Google. Search trophies in Star Wars, you will get a search button. For Star Wars, you will get a search button. Star Wars also has some great features that you will be able to use as you search the Google results page. Google searches are great if you know and do some research about the game. That's why you want to create a Google search. I will explain to you these features on how to do this but, more importantly, how to go about doing a similar Google search with other search apps in addition to searching on Google.com. 2. Use your imagination as your main search engine. Searching on Google is one of the most obvious and important ways to find great games. 
It's the easiest way to find great games if it's in your hands. So for example with the classic Star Wars trilogy, if there are three different games in the trilogy, and I search for a single game, it would be so obvious. If there's really more than three games, search it and find the ones with the best scores. I suggest you try to look for a specific style of game and try it out and see if there are some games that are good on Google as well. 3. Play the game, the reviews will usually show you great ratings. The way that these reviews are presented is very direct. 4. A new game created that is already popular will show some new titles. The way that these titles are presented is much more interesting. 5. Your search experience will continue to improve, so don't worry. Once you have found new games, you will not get any updates every day. You can continue to access the reviews your own way via your Google settings. These two features can be pretty helpful so you can give your Google friends a great experience on Google if they want to get a better view of your data. If you still have any questions about this whole topic, you can comment below. Thank you for reading today, and I hope your new search experience keeps making you happier and makes it easier to find great games. Let this be a guide to finding good games for you.